This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Charlotte Kent, Editor-in-Chief of CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. Thanks for joining me for MMWR's weekly COVID-19 briefing for the week of January 25th. In this episode, I'll discuss seven MMWR COVID-19 reports. The first describes the small number of severe allergic reactions after people receive the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. The second report presents strategies the National Football League used to prevent COVID-19 spread during the most recent season. The third report highlights how K through 12 schools used preventive measures to limit spread, even with high rates of COVID-19 in the community. Three reports detail how COVID-19 outbreaks continue to impact different settings in the United States, such as colleges and universities, athletics, and correctional facilities. The final report describes how a COVID-19 stay-at-home order affected cervical cancer screening among women in a large health system in Southern California. COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective. While most people don't have any side effects after vaccination, some have pain or swelling at the injection site, or fever, chills, or a headache. These typically don't last long and are signs that the body is building protection against the virus. However, some serious reactions do occur, such as anaphylaxis, which is a rare, life-threatening allergic reaction that typically occurs within minutes to hours after vaccination. Although life-threatening, anaphylaxis can be managed by trained staff with necessary supplies. During the first three weeks of administering Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine, only 10 people experienced anaphylaxis for a rate of 2.5 cases per million doses administered. In 9 of 10 patients, anaphylaxis occurred within 15 minutes of vaccination. Nine of these 10 people had a documented history of allergies or allergic reactions, including five who'd had a history of anaphylaxis. At locations where COVID-19 vaccines are administered, CDC guidance should be followed. These guidelines include screening recipients for reasons not to be vaccinated, screening for prior allergic reactions to vaccines, and screening for known allergies to COVID-19 vaccine ingredients. Vaccination providers should have necessary supplies and staff available to manage anaphylaxis and implement recommended observation after receiving the vaccine. The next two reports highlight success stories of how a professional sports organization and rural schools in central Wisconsin implemented mitigation strategies to remain open and operational during the COVID-19 pandemic. NFL teams began training for the 2020 football season in July after implementing extensive mitigation and surveillance measures in facilities and during travel and games. The NFL's health and safety protocols, including an expanded definition of close contacts and rigorous protocols after an exposure, helped reduce high-risk close contacts and limit the spread of COVID-19. In addition, the NFL expanded the definition of high-risk interactions, including those without masks, such as eating and drinking, 
and those in smaller indoor settings with less ventilation. The NFL also developed a rigorous protocol that imposed stricter precautions when a case was identified at an NFL club. The protocol effectively reduced the occurrence of high-risk interactions. These findings have broader implications for how organizations and communities can limit spread, not only in professional and amateur sports, but also in other settings, such as schools and long-term care facilities. The COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted school for children in many parts of the country. During September to November 2020, investigators assessed COVID-19 cases and compliance with mask use in over 4,800 students and 650 staff in 17 K-12 through schools in rural Wisconsin. Schools opened and implemented measures to limit the spread, including wearing masks, keeping students in small groups, quarantining after exposures, and maintaining six feet of distance, if possible. Teachers reported that approximately 90% of students used masks. During 13 weeks of in-person learning, seven students and no staff had gotten COVID-19 at school. Despite high spread in the community, there was no evidence of spread to or from staff. The findings in this report suggest that even with high rates of COVID-19 in the community, K-12 schools can limit in-school spread by implementing recommended preventive measures. Although some organizations and communities have effectively implemented mitigation measures to limit the spread of COVID-19, the next three reports detail how COVID-19 outbreaks continue to impact certain areas of the United States. On December 7, 2020, public health officials in Florida were notified of a person with a positive SARS-CoV-2 test who attended two high school wrestling tournaments on December 4th and 5th. The tournaments included 10 participating high schools from three counties, with a total of 130 wrestlers, coaches, and referees. Of the 130 participants, 54 were tested and 38 were positive for SARS-CoV-2. There were 41 contacts of these cases who tested positive, and one household contact died. As a result of students quarantining and isolating, an estimated 1,700 days of in-person school were lost. The outbreak prompted school administrators in one county to suspend all winter sports activities, affecting over 1,500 students. The number of new cases in one county, which was home of seven of the 10 participating high school teams, placed the community in the highest category for spread of COVID-19. The high level of community spread, as well as the low level of mask wearing and staying at least six feet apart at this event, played a role in the size of the outbreak. Health departments and schools should consider rates of COVID-19 in the community when deciding whether to continue school sporting activities. To avoid jeopardizing in-person education, high-contact athletic activities for which prevention strategies are not possible or feasible should be postponed. Entering the fall semester 2020, guidance for institutions of higher education related to COVID-19 largely focused on mitigation strategies, case investigation and contact tracing, 
and approaches to testing. A Midwestern university with approximately 12,000 students implemented various public health measures to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Despite these measures, the university experienced an outbreak involving over 370 cases during the first few weeks of the fall semester. Rather than sending students home, the university switched to online instruction and instituted a series of campus restrictions for a two-week period. During this time, the university took immediate and aggressive efforts to reduce disease spread, including enhanced testing, contact tracing, isolation and quarantine programs, and educational efforts. The situation improved at the school after these measures were implemented. From late August to mid-November 2020, the rate of COVID-19 cases in Wisconsin increased by an average of 24% each week. The rate during this time was the highest to date in Wisconsin and among the highest in the United States. To identify reasons for the increase, investigators analyzed reported outbreaks in Wisconsin that occurred during March to November 2020. During this time, approximately 58,000 confirmed COVID-19 cases in Wisconsin were linked to over 5,750 outbreaks across the state in four main settings. These included manufacturing or food processing facilities, long-term care settings, correctional facilities, and college and universities. Cases linked to outbreaks accounted for nearly one in five confirmed cases in Wisconsin during this time. Prior to August, outbreaks were most often associated with manufacturing and food processing facilities or long-term care facilities. However, starting in mid-August, the time when students returned to campus, there was a rapid increase in cases associated with outbreaks at colleges and universities in Wisconsin. This increase was followed by a period of rapid growth in cases associated with long-term care facilities and correctional facilities during September to November. Health departments should monitor cases of COVID-19 on college and university campuses. An increase in the number of cases could be used as an early warning for monitoring community spread. Health departments should work with long-term care facilities, prisons and jails, and colleges and universities to promptly identify, contact trace, and take steps to prevent the further spread of COVID-19. The last report shows how the pandemic has not only affected people directly, but has also impacted health in other ways. In March 2020, the governor of California declared a statewide stay-at-home order to contain spread of COVID-19. The order reduced accessibility of outpatient medical visits, especially preventive services like cervical cancer screening. A new CDC study, conducted in collaboration with Kaiser Permanente Southern California, used electronic medical records of about 1.5 million women to determine cervical cancer screening rates before, during, and after the stay-at-home order. During the stay-at-home order, cervical cancer screening rates declined about 80% in women aged 21 to 65. Although rates returned to near normal after the stay-at-home order was lifted, 
sustained disruptions related to stay-at-home orders can delay screening, which could result in advanced cancers or deaths in the long term. As the pandemic continues, ensuring that women receive screening is important to prevent cervical cancer. Thank you for joining us for this week's briefing. To stay up to date on the latest MMWR reports on COVID-19, go to cdc.gov MMWR and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Stay safe and stay well. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.